Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock in New Zealand and Craig Revell. You're in The City That Time Forgot was the name of the film that I saw, Napier, one of the longest lasting Art Deco cities in the world. Totally rebuilt to be a new, brand new Art Deco uh, city back in the 20s. I never forgot it because I lived here for three and a half years and it's a wonderful wonderful place but first of all just briefly let's talk about uh, Hampton Downs what a great weekend's racing it was not many cars only 14 13 raced um, but it was a terrific race uh, changing fortunes Peter Hackett put himself back on a winning list with Dominic Story for the first time winning in Australian GTs and, but more importantly, I suppose, from the point of view of Tim Miles and Jackson Evans, who are the points leaders coming in, and they possibly have cemented the title now. Heading to Highlands Park the week after Pukekohe, and that's the exciting news that coming up this weekend at Pukekohe is the penultimate round of V8s, of supercars. It should be fantastic. It's going to be interesting, Pukekohe being resurfaced in parts, and some people talking about how the reduction of bumps on the circuit will lose some of its character it will be very interesting to see with the new tyre and also with the uh, smoother circuit how much quicker these cars will get around there because it's a very fast track and as uh, people heard last week on the program how cams is uh, looking at the safety of qr and of uh, sandown it is a track at times that has had its safety questioned as well and this weekend it will again uh, feature something that hasn't featured on the supercar schedule for some time. I think it was Sandown a couple of years back. Formula 5000s. The Tasman series only runs in New Zealand nowadays. But uh, Kenny Smith, who first raced there back in the 1960s against Jim Clark and Jackie Stewart, he's there in one of his old cars, a Lola T332, sponsored by Lavalise, and that should be fantastic to see the supercars. So it's somewhat of a toe in the water for supercars. Supercars, the series, and supercars, the organiser, to have a look at 5,000s on the bill with supercar touring cars. So that's going to be interesting to see. This week's show features something rather special. We've got Tony Quinn coming to give us his side of the events following CAMS deciding and vetoing against supercars taking on the management of Australian GT. So he gives his view on today's show, which is very interesting to hear. Later in the show, of course, is another uh, treat for us because we'll have John Bannon, who's a long-time motorsport journal and works on V8X magazine, together with media stalwart, and many would say media magnate in the motorsport business, Brett Murray, joining Craig Ravel for a view of the season to date. And what else? Great. Well, we're going to have a look at Pookie and uh, a few other issues around the traps at the moment with Erebus, of course, uh, seeing Dale Wood moving on and Anton B. Di Pasquale coming into the fold. And we'll also have a chat about uh, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport and uh, some of the issues in around Alex Rollo's uh, potential future. Yeah, so he's uh, still in his first year of a two-year contract. I understand that he won't, or possibly won't be at Cook and Kelly, so it'll be interesting to see what transpires there, because, of course, with the uh, RECs, the Racing Entitlement Contracts, everyone has to uh, front up for each event, otherwise you're in for a fairly large and nasty fine. So it should be a really good show, some light, lovely topical information. The other terrific thing that happened last weekend was that Chas Mostert not only made his debut in Zoo High in Le- Asian Le Mans series, but he won in a BMW M6. Great for Chaz. He's likely, because he made his debut this year in the 12-hour in an M6, 
And more than likely, he's going to do another race, I believe, at the end of this season in that Asian Alliance series. Great news for Chaz, who uh, is, you know, not bad on an international debut to get his uh, first up win. Yeah, indeed. And, of course, you know, highly likely that all this is adding to the uh, weekend for him in coming off a win, coming off having the confidence of another track, another new uh, situation for him. Anyway, this week's show will start in a few minutes. Um, So until then, enjoy the rest of the show with Tony Quinn coming up first. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock here with Tony Quinn at Hampton Downs, the second of his two New Zealand circuits for the penultimate round of the Australian GT Championship, the endurance section of it. And we just wanted to get an update from Tony on where things are now between CAM, Supercars and Australian GT. What's the situation now? Um, well, I think the situation is that we're all still friends. There's no issues. And, you know, I think CAM's, at the end of the day, decided that the GD3 and GD4 category um, needs to be under their um, strict uh, control, if you like, or at least management or, you know, ownership, whatever it is, and they're happy with what we've done with it. Um, it's just that I believed, and so did Supercars, believe that it might have progressed to the next level under the Supercars umbrella, but uh, that's not to say that we're not going to progress anyway, because the V8s have um, very kindly um, offered us as much assistance as we need, to be fair. So really, it's we're all still friends, we're all working away. Um, I think the V8s, to be perfectly honest, have got enough stuff to deal with um, in the next year or so um, without GTs, and perhaps GTs might have just fallen under the, the radar a little bit under their control for the next year um, because of all the other things that they're trying to do. And, you know, I think the V8s saw that the Bathurst 12-hour is a very important uh, product that they have, and they wanted to ensure naturally that the domestic GT series was um, running well and under their control and growing and everything else. And there's a whole lot of reasons. You know, I think the manufacturer interest is in GT4 which is the future. Um, the V8s clearly have you know, struggled a wee bit to get manufacturer support nowadays. It's not really that relevant. Yep. Whereas GT4 is. So they saw a great future in that. Also offered them a better corporate mix for their corporate clients, you know. I mean, some of the corporates high into town don't really resonate with uh, a V8 supercar, Mm. whereas they do with a Porsche or Lamborghini or Ferrari. So, look, I think the whole thing was a good plan, but at the end of the day, uh, CAMS didn't want to uh, extend the the category management agreement Mm -hmm. that's afforded to me. Um, And uh, at the end of the day, too, I think the V8 supercars have got enough on their plate. Right. And look, we're all still friends, so nobody needs to go out there and assume that we're resuming you know, guns at dawn. Has this changed any of the relationship you have with Stefan Rattel and the, the Blanc Plain series? No, not at all. I think Stefan, either way, Stefan was happy. Yep. Um, I think what it has done, though, is that some of our competitors, um, people always want what they don't have. And some of our competitors might have thought that going with the V8s would be much better television, much better events, better priorities and stuff like that. But the reality is that I don't think that would have happened Mm -hmm. um, because, as I say, V8s are solely, firstly, about V8 supercars. And that wonderful line, is there such thing as a free lunch? Yes, and absolutely. So, I mean, I think it would have been fine for me because, let's be honest, I'm getting too old, I've done it long enough, and... um, 
you know, and that, I'm not tired or anything, but um, I just thought it would be a better business model for them to take it on and multiply it, really, yeah. and grow it. But for me, it, next year will be a consolidation year, a bit of a reset year, uh, ready because the reality is that the GD4 product is not globally available yet. The manufacturers yep. can't keep up. So we'll be lucky if there's three or four genuine GD4 cars in Australia by next year running. Yep. Um, but the year after, 19 and 20, um, I, would, I would strongly expect... Uh, 2020 to be the year of GD4 and that'll be when it really comes to the front and GD3 will probably take a step back. Okay. I, I think the future for GT is that GD4 will be the sprint series mm-hmm. and that GD3 will be the endurance series. They'll both um, you know, GD3 and GD4 will do endurance, Yes. but I think that the GD3 will... Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, the manufacturers are starting to slow up on the GD3 product yep. because they're way too expensive. Yeah, yeah. GD4 runs for five years flat out yeah. and costs very little to run, so yeah. that's yeah. the future. Um, calendar for next year then? Where's that? Are you in development? Yeah. No, we're still in development because again, the V8s need to sort out who's doing what, where um, and also we've got to work out that we can afford the V8 gig I mean, they're getting more and more expensive to go with and the costs have to be passed on yeah. uh, to the competitors and they have a wee whinge and you know it's not that easy and they all blame the entrance money but the, the, the entrance fee is nothing compared to the running costs or the accommodation, the flights, the crew, yeah. the tyres, the fuel. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a joke. But look, I think currently I, I think there's three endurance races mm-hmm. and four or five um, sprint races. Okay. I believe we start with the Grand Prix mm-hmm. and we will go, our first endurance event will be at Tail and Bend, the new track oh, in, right. in August. South Australia, yeah. no, in April. In, oh, in April. We'll be the first international category oh, wow. to race that the thing with an yep. endurance race. So, yeah. so that's, uh, I mean, the, the brothers that own that yes. track, yeah. they, they race in GD3 yes. and Critical. Um, so I think we'll be there in April. The next endurance uh, event will be Phillip Island, and the last one will be Hampton Downs again. Right. Um, sprint races, I believe, probably Grand Prix will start with, um, and then a mix of you know, Phillip Island. Yeah, will Adelaide still be on the agenda? No, no, no we're not doing Adelaide. The trouble with Adelaide, if you look at it, and Adelaide's very expensive to go to yes. for what you get. It's a four-day event, and it's a tough gig. Yeah. Um, to, Short to make time. it work. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not that good. And they're they're packing in a whole lot of stuff now. They don't want. 40-minute races, they don't want any of that stuff. They, mm. you know, apart from the V8s, they, they want 20-minute, short, sharp races. Um, but if you look at the Adelaide date, so we st- a lot of my guys will start off with the Bathurst 12-hour, yep. and then it's a month two, later it's yeah. Clipsal, and then two weeks later it's the Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. So to be fair, it's better for everybody. Uh, if we're going to drop one good, you know, good in bracket um, event... Um, Clipsal's the one to draw. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, future, but, you know, I would like to start off the year in New Zealand, maybe, right. at some time. You know, at this moment, Highlands is having its last 101 this year. I'd have 101. to stress at this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I think Highlands, and Hamptons for that matter, but I think Highlands particularly, um, we've just had a... a uh, re, we've fallen in love with the South Island Endurance Series. I raced at the three events this year. I thought they were great. They were <laughs> really casual and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so we've invited them back next year to hold their final. And I think going forwards, the, the general consensus in the South is that Highlands should be in the pool. And also uh, we would like to, at Hampton and at Highlands, develop the New Zealand Endurance Series. Now that's, you know, since I've been here, um, I've always promoted the GD3 product, which is the best. But uh, you know, in New Zealand, they have this, uh, <laughs> they have this system where they pull out the restrictors, they pull out the weight, and you know, I mean, yeah. look, I, I used to think that was terrible, but I actually think, what the heck? 
Yeah. We're in New Zealand. The cars go so much faster, and they're easier to drive with the, without all that restrictions. I yeah. think it's not a bad thing. So yes. I think that particularly Highlands will their major event will be the um, endurance event yeah. held every year in November down there. And you know, I think there's a lot of support for it mm. down there. Mm. You know, I think the Aussies love coming, and I would never say never, never. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't even say that. But you know, I would imagine that. Every maybe three to five years, yes. the Aussies would come back. Yeah, I first yeah. met you when you were Ross Palmer competing in GDP. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was a which is ago. fifteen more years yeah, ago, probably. Yeah. Um, do you see? I mean, obviously, you, you love being a competitor mm. and you like racing. Do you see sort of where you are involved now as something you envisaged, or is this just there's been a happenstance yeah, about it? Yeah, look, I, I think I've no idea what I'm doing next week. Right. Yeah. I've got a rough idea. I don't have to be Santa anymore yes. at Christmas time. It's so not a grand plan. Job. It's just no, there's just, not. Yeah. No, there's not. And what yeah, I do yeah. is just you know I have a look at the week ahead, the six months. I always seem to work six months ahead, mm-hmm. and I get lots of opportunities. Lots of things are happening, and um, I just uh, grab the moment. And yeah. if it makes sense and it feels good, you know, I think the gut has got a lot to answer for, <laughs> in more ways than one. Indeed. Indeed. Well, that's a few moments of Tony Quinn's time. He's just about to meet all the competitors for their uh, pre-event uh, meeting. Uh, here at Hampton Down, so thank you, Tony. I greatly appreciate your time. No problem, and um, yeah, any time. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Joining us this week, a man who's about to have a, a book out. Well, is it out on the shelves, Crusher, or is it through Speed Cafe that we'll be able to get a copy of your autobiography? You just can't make this shit up. Uh, yes, mate, it'll be out in December. Some pre-orders will be able to be done in the next week or so. and going to buy um, the the uh, solid version of it, and also be uh, there'll be an electronic version of it as well, but... Um, it's all getting structured for a release date of December 15, official launch on the coast, Gold Coast, and uh, with the idea of having it to everybody before Christmas who pre-orders. So. Also joining us, uh, along with Brett Murray, is uh, John Bannon. Good evening, John. And, of course, your latest writing is out on VHX magazine right now. That's absolutely right, Craig. And, uh, yeah, good afternoon to yourself and, and Crusher. Hi, mate. Guys, off to Pukekohe this weekend. The uh, track's been smoothed out. Is Crush, how big a difference is this going to make to uh, the racing we'll see this weekend? Yeah, I think it'll make a bit of a difference. Certainly, um, yeah, they've been constantly improving that place for some time. Um, you know, from the early days when we were there in the late 80s, early 90s with the, the Nissan Mobile series, uh, certainly come a long way from a safe respect and, and also from a... Uh, and enjoyable respect from the, for the punters. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's going to take the first couple of sessions for people to work out where the bumps are and where they're not, where they used to be and uh, what they can use to their advantage and how much grip there is and how it's all going to roll out. So certainly the first couple of sessions are going to be fairly vital on Friday. John, being in New Zealand and having, well, three red-hot chances of taking out the championship, what's that going to mean to the crowd and, and to what we can expect in New Zealand? Well, I think it means that what we can expect is a very parochial New Zealand crowd, and I think there'll be a, a lot of excitement. You know, they have three drivers at the top of the championship who they can all uh, cheer for, and, uh, you know, V8 Supercars is a massive uh, following in New Zealand, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, an even spread of, of fans um, uh, amongst the, the three Kiwis involved, although 
you think that uh, Scotty McLaughlin is, is a bit of a current uh, fan favourite, if you certainly, I guess, uh, look into his uh, social media stats and that sort of thing. If you look, Crusher, at drivers at the moment, is it's always been Craig Lowndes, Daylight, and then you could split between the time, whether it was Courtney or it was Tounder. Um, you know, it, really there wasn't any challenger to Craig Lowndes. Is Scott McLaughlin becoming a, a challenger? What's it like when you run a McLaughlin story up against anyone else these days at, say, Speed Cafe? Oh, look, he's certainly uh, he's a personal personal guy. I think that, um, you know, the good thing is you're starting to see a little bit of personality come out of some of these guys. Um, you know, I think Dave Reynolds is a, you know, the epitome of that in regards to that group of drivers that we currently have. I think there's been some lines drawn in the, in the sand in regards to the next um, the next wave of guys that are coming through. And I think we saw that in the Endurance uh, Series, the Pertec Enduro Cup Series. I think that we saw, you know, a whole bunch of young kids that are, you know, saying, okay, we're ready, we're ready to come. So, uh, be interesting to see, um, the stature of what some of the old guys do or older guys do over the next couple of years, but certainly the personalities of guys like McLaughlin and Chaz, um, and Dave Reynolds, uh, and certainly Cam Wilders is a young, young guy, you know, got a bit of personality and just needs to be brought out of him a bit and, you know, a bit of help around them and a bit of, uh, you know, an opportunity to put them in the right spot and, and for people to sort of hold their hand through some of the process, we can see uh, see more and more of the character come out. And, John, how hard is it? You working in and amongst the pits, you see what the drivers are like, but you don't always get to report uh, some of the things that you see and some of the things that they say. How hard is it to give a driver of some personality when they go into soundbite mode as soon as you go on the record? You know, I guess that's an increasing phenomenon in uh, world sport, really, where uh, whether it be uh, motorsport or, or not, the, the drivers are, are trained, uh, you know, by uh, different PR people and, and PR companies to to roll out a set standard of lines. And so I think, like in any uh, aspect uh, where you're a public figure, I think you do stand out if you go against the grain a bit and you're brave enough to show a bit of that personality and give people a bit of an insight uh, into your background story and, you know, are not afraid to, to necessarily say say the wrong thing. Uh, there probably are limits of times. As, as Crusher said, you know, we all we all love Dave Reynolds. He's a great uh, character for the sport, but he, he certainly pushes the, the boundaries at times in terms of uh, perhaps uh, almost getting himself into, into trouble. Uh, but look, uh, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd much prefer to, to have uh, someone with, with personality uh, like a Reynolds, like a McLaughlin, uh, like your, your Chaz, who, who, you know, wear their hearts on their sleeve and uh, aren't afraid to show uh, us who they truly are. Crusher? I think it's actually a... I, I actually think that, uh, with all due respect, I think that that's the, the, the indications or the direction not coming from PR because, I mean, the sport, you know, if we're talking supercars as a standout, I mean, the, the amount of actual PR people in the true sense of the word in your sport is, is, is basically evaporated to zero. So the problem isn't PR people telling them what to say. It's, it's not having a decent PR person there that can create the opportunity for them to be able to show their personality or to be able to give them some lines they can use or, or be able to put them in a position where they can actually show what their assets are. I think that, you know, they, they, they're almost not saying anything because they're not being helped in a position where they can say something. Um, and I think that, you know, they're towing the line because they think that's what should happen. Um, and I, there's no one there to, to give them advice or guide them or, or, or if there's some controversy to be able to manage it in their directions for them to be able to milk, milk what they have, uh, in those situations and, and for them to be able to build on their character and their popularity. I, oh, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of that either, Crusher. And I think probably the other element there is the amount of sponsorship dollars that are on the line. You know, you've got major companies, uh, sponsoring these men and women down pit lane and, uh, you know, one, one big flip and uh, that, that whole deal could be put into jeopardy. So I think there's a bit of that aspect to it as well. Uh, yeah, look, um, again, not necessarily because, again, you haven't got people there that are supporting that you think that's what they need to be. You'd be surprised that, you know, some of those companies would actually be, wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing a bit of uh, a bit of stash or a bit of... I mean, obviously, without, you know, stepping over the line, but, you know, to be 
at front and saying what they need to say. I think that we're coming full circle on a lot of that stuff. They're coming so staid that, you know, we're going to get to a point where there is going to be a tipping point and we're going to see this whole, you know, the whole lot's just going to come come at us like a big wave. And I don't get that far away from it, to be honest. We had mm. those times when, uh, Crusher, you had Channel 10's, uh, what was it, the Superstars show where... Um, Scaife and Engel were going at each other left, right and centre. And uh, uh, it, in some ways it's unfortunate that when you watch the TV now, it's still Scaife and Engel going at each other. There's seemed to be a, a gap in the, uh, in the generations of people presenting supercars. Oh, yeah, and I, and I think the other thing is too that, that um, you know, there are, there are a couple of talented young blokes there, but they're, they're milking them for everything they, they're worth. They're not paying anything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be their undoing. You know, you've got blokes in jobs that shouldn't be in them because they're doing it for nothing. And you've got other blokes that should be in the gigs um, that are not there because, you know, they won't pay the bill. And I think that's very unfortunate. You know, and I don't think it's a sign of the times. I think, it's you know, they're just pinching for the sake of it. And, and um, I, I think that, you know, again, it can only last for so long before the product becomes, you know, becomes uh, untangible or... or or taste so bad that you don't want to you don't want to be a part of it. Mm. That's no reflection on the Fox telecasts, which I think you know those I think the Fox actual pictures and the way they've presented is fantastic. I think, um, but there's, there are other elements, whether that's that track or or through the broadcasters or whatever, where it all needs a serious tidy up. Now, Ford are moving on. He obviously was part of the organisation for a long time. If they bring someone in from outside, I think we'll see a a huge shake up in supercar media. I think we see, you know, we see, uh, you know, we'll see some fresh ideas. We'll see some things that will work, some things that won't work. Um, you know, Fordo's a terrific operator, understood the business, been around a long time. Um, but, you know, nothing lasts forever, I guess. And he's moved into a very good gig. He's a young family. He's just, you know, he's, he's got a terrific gig going up to do the league until nine. You can't blame him for doing that. But, um, you know, who takes his spot? I'm not so sure of yet. Um, and, you know, Fordo's out of the end of the year. Uh, and whoever comes in will come with a lot of fresh ideas as long as they listen to some of the people around them. They've got some motorsport knowledge. Um, if it's someone from outside the sport, then um, I think that can uh, can only be a good thing. It can only be seen as a good thing. They couldn't afford Tim Hodges, could they? Uh, no, look, I think, you know, Hodges a terrific operator. Um, and, you know, for all, all transparency, he's a great mate of mine, as you know. Um, you know, he's, he's the producer of the... Of 360, uh, April 360 at Fox Footy, which is the number one number one show on TV, uh, on, on paid TV, and um, you know he's, he's a uh, he understands the sport and has a passion for it. But I think uh, you know his role at, at Fox in regards to that, um, they could certainly maybe use him in, in, in regards to some around the table discussions. Uh, but I think uh, yeah, the boys like him where he is. John, the Pertec Cup, we just saw it conclude and now we're back into sprint mode to run to the finish. What was your wrap-up of what we saw over the three races? Oh, look, I think it, it was fascinating. I mean, Bathurst, uh, of course, uh, produced a stellar show uh, yet again and, and, you know, that last hour uh, for audiences uh, across the country and those that that, that tuned in, uh, you know, was certainly treated to to a, a wonderful spectacle and, and, you know, great to see uh, Erebus Motorsport get up through Reynolds and, and Yulden. And, um, look, obviously, uh, Chaz and Steve Owen won the, won the Perturk Enduro Cup. I, I think one thing that I would like to see is there's a bit of inconsistency in terms of the way the, the retro round aspect uh, of the Perturk Enduro Cup is carried, I think. You know, obviously Sandown is the focus, but then, you know, some teams then choose to carry delivery through all three events and, and some of the other, you know, aspects to this uh, to this retro round concept. I'd actually like to see it just introduced for all three races, uh, given that, you know, they, they are trying to, to make that Pertec Enduro Cup a bit different. Obviously, the co-drivers there, that automatically makes it a bit different. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, carrying that retro... Th- Theme all the way through uh, would we'll just, I think, add to a, an initial bit of interest and, and spice to the racing. Crush, you've had a, a long, you had a long association with the Gold Coast and the event up there. How did you see the final at the Gold Coast? Uh, yeah, look, I thought it was a, 
you know, it was a great weekend. Obviously, the Saturday was spoiled by the weather, which was unfortunate, and uh, and certainly didn't help their ticket sales. Um, but I think the rollout and how it all fell on the Sunday was uh, was terrific theatre, you know, with the, the fuel thing, and then Scotty and the pushes car down pit lane, and all those things. I think was terrific to see uh, you know, the first Ford win the Perth Enduro Cup um, was you know a good thing, and see another team win it. Um, I think that you know uh, again. Sort of disagreeing with John in regards to the retro thing, I think that the you know the retro thing should be a sand down thing and should be standalone. And I don't think that you know some teams have still understood what this is all about. I mean, this idea was you know pretty much stolen from NASCAR and how they go about it, and they do a terrific job of it. But you know, like everything in NASCAR, it's, it's commercially driven, and, and so should this. I mean, there's teams that that sell their sponsorship, you know, to two companies that were you know involved in the sport 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, and build a whole program around that one race. You can sell it and make some money out of it. No one, no one seems to have done that in uh, in supercar land yet, or actually even got their heads around it. I know there's some commercial guys that have, have tried and certainly been out there and do understand it, and just haven't got that across the line. But I think um, you know you need to be using it as an asset in your arsenal going forward when you're trying to sell this moving forward. And the budgets, you know, are getting increasingly more stupid. Um, that. You know, you need to be selling instead of selling, you know, 15 races. You need to be selling 14 races and selling the 15th one to a, you know, an outside sponsor before you go into the game with a, you know, cross pollination of who your naming rights might be through the year, and then being able to roll your, you know, your new livery back out for, for Bathurst as a standalone, and, and then for the Gold Coast race. But um, I think to run the, the retro thing should be standalone. They should put more energy into the promotion and marketing of it um, at Sandown. I think there needs to be more someone at the front. Batting um, have more heavily for the Sandown circuit, which is under increasing pressure uh, to remain intact. I don't think that um, I think it was a great opportunity that that James Warburton and missed. You know, when it, there was talk about that last year to go to the defence of it and really, you know, make sure that that thing stays around because it is important. Um, and I think that you know the combination of those things we could and then and then saying okay, well, where's the bye weekend in the AFL? And that's when that's when we need to be running that race weekend. And if you got to run a week earlier or a week later. That's when you need to be doing it. You need to be doing it in no one there's no footy on. Mm. And, of course, uh, as Eugene Arocca said on the show last week, there's every chance that next year is the last Sandown 500 unless the uh, Melbourne Racing Club starts to put some money into track safety. Well, that's, I mean, that's where everybody needs to be working together to make sure this is happening. And then, and then there's a song and dance made about it and tell the stories about how the, the um, historic nature of that race circuit and what needs to happen. I mean, you know, you, I mean, I'm no engineer. I've just been around a long time. And all I know is that if, you know, there's tarmac on the outside of that turn uh, at Sandown where we see those accidents year in, year out, and, you know, carves the thing up for an hour while they put putting tyres back in place, and we all stand there and hold our breaths while we're waiting for the guy to get out of the car after he's whacked that tyre wall, you know, if you put some, you know, tarmac on the outside of that kerby, um, you know, we don't have, we don't have those issues. The things pull up, especially when we see, you know, this year when we see in the wet, they get to the wet and they take off like a bullet out of a gun, and then it's ploughing into those tyres and destroying cars. I mean, just it's just ridiculous. It just seems a really simple fix for that thing. Even some safety barrier, like put some concrete there and put a, you know, safety barrier wall there. You know, if it's even if it's three hundred metres, those types, you know, really basic stuff that needs to happen. Like the amount of time and effort and energy and you know, the, from from the sake of a spectacle standpoint, and more importantly, the, the safety of the driver. Mm. Now, John, uh, out of the Endurance Cup, we saw a young driver sh- shine again in Richie Stanaway. What's the chances that Stanaway, one, will be in the car this weekend at Pukekohe, and two, will be locked in by, uh, well, at least Pro Drive Racing Australia to a full-time drive next year? Well, it seems that uh, in terms of, firstly, Pukekohe this weekend, that but that is unlikely. I think there's an option there to to race with Lucas Stumbrell Motorsport, or that option was certainly uh, talked about or canvassed at some particular point in time, but it, it seems unlikely at this point that that is going ahead. Uh, in terms of next year, in the, in the discussions that I've had with Richie, it, it certainly appears that uh, there's more than one uh, offer on the table, and that, that's now uh, come out in media reports in, in recent days, and you know, I guess the, the safe money is on him, uh, you know, finding a seat at, at ProDrive somewhere yeah. here. Uh, but, you know, perhaps uh, there's some other offers on the table that are equally enticing. And 
I think either way, uh, it, it would appear highly likely that we'll see him in a full-time uh, drive next season. I think it'd be great for the sport. I mean, uh, his performances across the, the Pertec Enduro Cup were, were really quite outstanding, uh, especially in the wet. And really, the, the only you know tiny error he, he made the entire time was on um, the last lap he did on, on the Gold Coast uh, where, where him and Craig came together. But um, really, he, he, he's looking like someone that... Uh, you'd want in your car for next season. Mm. Crusher, what do you make of it? Oh, look, I, th- I thought he did a really good job. I wouldn't have called the, the, the error he made uh, on his last lap a tiny one. He screwed up at the time and probably cost him the race. And um, I saw Nash having a fairly uh, decent chat to him after the race, um, you know, probably laying down the wall a little bit to him. But, uh, um, you know, I think that aside, you know, his drive at Bathurst was certainly one of the best you'll, you'll see in those conditions. Um, there's Kiwi certainly can, can punt around in the wet. And, uh, and you know, if he can just uh, control some of that, you know, adrenaline enthusiasm and and uh, just get his head in the right space, uh, he's certainly going to be a very good asset for any team. And, and uh, as John said, you know, there's chances that he'll probably end up a pro drive next year. Uh, in regards to that um, LDM seat this weekend, you know, I'm not so sure... You know, uh, you know, he's been plenty of names bend around. Young Rulo obviously is out of that ride next year. Um, they've decided to, it would seem to, uh, to cut his ride short. Um, who will ride, drive that car uh, in New Zealand and, and Puka Koei, you know, I'm sure my boys have been ringing around. Tommy Howard, our editor, is, uh, has been on the case. And, you know, it's almost like, well, who wants to drive it? You know, um, if you're looking for a ride next year and still a couple of seats, Around, are you, are you going to jump in that thing? Does it give you race miles? Yes, that's the advantage you get. But you go out there, and, and because of the nature of the thing you're driving around, you make a bit of a goose of yourself. So, um, you know, are you better off just saying, okay, thanks, I really appreciate it, but passing the opportunity, and then see, you know, where that seat sits. You know, if you're guaranteed a, a role, if they turn around and say, okay, we've got, you know, a couple of rides next year, uh, one of those ends up a pro drive, and let's say Stanaway ends up in that ride, that seat's going to be available. Okay, we're going to give you two, you know, two races before we we put you in the seat next year. Do you want to do that, or do you just want to say, "Oh no, look, with all due respect, thanks very much. I'll just wait till you get some new gear, and and we'll uh, we'll go and do it properly next year." I think that's probably the predicament they seem me, funnily enough. Mm. And of course, Taz Douglas said to me, I think in Adelaide, he said, "I've got this drive because no one else wants it." And he, whilst he was sort of tongue in cheek, he he wasn't half wrong. There was people who just thought they would do their career more harm than good, yet it's the same car I think that we found Nick Perk had in and he built himself a, a much stronger reputation by being able to do some solid performances in a car that most people thought shouldn't be able to do that. Well, he had some exceptional results last year, um, you know, notably at Adelaide and, and then again at, at Bathurst on, on the podium, which was, you know, a really quite out, outstanding performance. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, they put a Kiwi in the car. Uh, either way, you know, maybe um, uh, Chris Pinder, for example, might might show up in that car this weekend. Uh, but you know, I guess given that we're now at uh, a Tuesday, it's not going to be too long before we find out. No, that's exactly right. And uh, Crush uh, Anton Di Pasquale, he he was an open wheel driver that has gone overseas. He's come back now, and he's going to be replacing Dale Wood at Erebus. How do you see that move? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I, uh, I've got a lot of time for this kid. I think he's a good kid, number one. Two, he listens. I think that, you know, what he's learned under the guidance of Paul Morris and Paul Morris Motorsport um, has done the world of good. Um, you know, it's, it's it's Paul's no easy taskmaster, um, and uh, Paul's got a lot of time for him. So, you know, if Paul's got time for you, then, um, you know, you've been prepared to listen and get on and do the job and, Keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, and, and you know, crack on with it. He probably deserved a few more better results um, over the last couple of years, but um, and certainly he's going to go into that team. Uh, I think Dave Reynolds will be terrific for him as a teammate in regards to, you know, not too many issues, not too many politics, just sort of get on with it. And, and Dave will be prepared to share that with him. You know, Barry Ryan's a terrific team leader there, um, and he's got time for the kids as well. Uh, and I think. Uh, you know what he'll learn off those two guys alone will be um, will be terrific, and um, you know I think that uh, you know he'll get he'll uh, get some results. 
it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, how he makes that transition into the big game. And obviously, with uh, Dale Wood stepping aside, we see someone like. Uh, this year, Dale Wood stepping aside. Last year, Dave Wall uh, moved out of the main game. And is it a case of we're moving out the, a couple of middle-aged mid-pack runners, but what we've got is we've got a couple of old guys that are a few years past the use by date crush, and they really should be making way for the De Pasquales, the Jacobsons, Hazelwoods and the like. Well, I don't think, you know, it's... it's you know, at some point you've got to wake up and go, okay, well, where's my use-by date? You know, I think that, you know, as much as these guys want to keep going and they've earned the right to, and at the end of the day, it's their call. You know, if you're Todd Kelly and you own the team, you can do what you want. So, but, but at the same time, Todd not stepping aside probably cost them, you know, Matt Campbell being a permanent part of that team. Um, and, you know, you look at what he did and the results he's produced and what he did at the weekend again in Mexico. I mean, the kid's a superstar. Uh, and Roland, you know, wasted no time snapping him up as a co-driver, and I'm sure he's got some plans for him in the future. You know, Lounsey will survive from a, you know, commercial standpoint. Um, still have a couple of years left in him, probably. He still motor the thing around. So there's no question mark about him. Bridie, what's he going to do? You know, like, he's, you know, he's, he owns the wreck, so again, he owns the license about a drive. Is it time for him to, to roll out? But, you know, as I was saying before, I think we saw a real line drawn in the sand with some of these kids that are coming through. And certainly the performances in the wet and that co-driver race at Sandown. Um, you know, the performances in the wet at Bathurst. Um, and again, you know, what they managed to do at the Gold Coast race. And, you know, we were looking at carnage and we, we didn't get much of it at all. I mean, these guys just kept their heads, got, got put their heads down and got on with it. And they knew that, you know, their careers were, you know, if they're going to step forward, um, that they're, you know, they've got to do the job. The other thing is that, you know, because of the testing rules and where they're at, you getting guys that have done the laps that these guys have done, the older guys, that's why they've, they've all got another two or three or four years left, you know, extended onto the, onto the end of their contracts or the end of their careers because there's not the guys that have done the amount of laps that can pedal these things around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are a difficult thing to drive. When you talk to the guys that have driven them across the board, that have driven everything, they, they class them as a difficult thing to drive. Um, and there's no, um, there's no replacing the amount of laps that these, some of these guys have got under their belt. And John, that's where you know some real hard decisions about how young and how to get young drivers up there need to be made. They either have to make the Dunlop series a real, you know, I I open a Baltera type series, or they need to work out a way where they can say to a driver that's had less than three years gets two or three extra test days, which works for a team to be able to get some extra testing in and also allows the driver to get a few more miles. Well, I think that the Dunlop series already is uh, very competitive. I think this season probably produced one one of the most uh, competitive championships uh, to date. You know, you've got, uh, you know, Paul Dumbrell in there as, as a yardstick and, and a whole bunch of young chargers. You know, you're Todd Hazelwoods, Anton... Um, Macaulay Jones uh, and the rest coming through. So I, I think it's just more a, I think part of it is a, a commercial reality. It's crushed a touch on. You know, if you, if you own the car, if you own the wreck, well, you can drive as, as long as you like. And uh, if, you, if you're thinking of, of breaking into the, the big teams, then you need to really be aligned with them you know, in, the, in the development series because otherwise, you know, you're not going to get those opportunities. The only way to break in is, is like uh, Rulo did this year by coming with big money and, and offering it at LDM. So, look, it, motorsport is, is still an expensive game and, and you've also got to, you might, talent is one part, but you've also got to have the, the cash at times to back it up. And, uh, you know, it is hard to break through, but I think we're, we're slowly transitioning. We've got a group of uh, drivers and, you know, I'd, I'd hasten to say ageing, but, you know, we do have a large chunk of, of drivers in their 30s, uh, you know, a couple in their, in their 40s and, you know, at some point, uh, all these young guys, you know, will get their opportunity. And, you know, Anton, uh, he's now got his for next year, but you only have to see the, the talent that we saw in the co-driver uh, ranks during the, the course of the, the Pertec Enduro Cup to, to show that the sport is good shape if, um, you know, a team is, is willing to give some of these guys a crack on the back of their ability. Uh, the huge problem... Well, I think that... Well, 
the problem is, and, and John touched on it, is just the expense. I mean, you know, when you look at what it costs to run those Dunlop cars, it's just ridiculous. It's it's bloody crazy. You know, like it, the thing was invented as a you know as a dumping ground for the bits out of the main game, and that's cool, cool. But you know, when you're paying you know six or seven hundred grand for a car, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then the running costs and all the things that go with it, and it has to be adapted to the main game. You know, yeah, and we, can, we can talk about this we're blue in the face, but you know. Yeah, they talk about, you know, there's been so much focus on manufacturers, manufacturers, and, and what's it resulted in? Bloody zero is what it's resulted in, um, in regards to where we're gonna, what the end game's going to be. Now, you know, Nissan need to be congratulated for the, you know, the faith they've shown, what they've done, the job that Kelly's have done, and, you know, putting their heads down and trying to get that together. You know, Ford are out, holding their money there by the skin of their teeth. Um, you know, Volvo are gone, Benz were never in. Um, you know, it's just all this smokescreen stuff. We should be buying forty thousand dollar crate engines out of the states that last year a whole year, drawing numbers and sticking them in the car, you know, and then and then having a spare car in the truck. So you know, if you do destroy one on a Saturday at Adelaide, you're not, you know, you're not have to, your boys don't have to rebuild it overnight. You're reducing the amount of people you got. You know, you just roll the thing out and you go racing. You know, you still, you know, your budget to, to destroy four or five in a year because the racing is now, you know, all of a sudden they're banging panels and and putting on a show that the crowd's going to love. If you had that, you had a moment full ride into the first turn in Adelaide with that sort of perspective, and, you know, you wouldn't go to shoehorn them in the joint. They'd be, they'd be camping out in the trees overnight. Mm. You know, your TV ratings, well, there you go. And all of a sudden, then your sponsors come back into the sport. I mean, that's the reality of where we're at. And, you know, they all know it, but no one wants to say it publicly. Mm. And, and the other problem, Crusher, is that you need a half-million-dollar sponsor to get you in Dunlop Series, and you don't get anywhere near the coverage. So someone with a half million dollars will take a small sign on a, on a mid-pack car or even a large sign on a backpack car rather than put it into a young driver in the Dunlop series unless there's some sort of family link or friendship there, mentor role or something like that. They just they can't get the sponsors in there. And until they get the give it a much, much bigger profile – and. They are doing a good job, as John said, but they're just not giving it the profile that they need to be able to then make it a value-for-money prospect for sponsors to no, get in behind those people. To, they're learning to drive. And, and in some respects, you know, there's categories all over the world that are exactly the same. So it's not as if, you know, well, Dunlop Series is a standout, and that's what it is, because it happens in all sorts of formula racing all over the world. Mm. But, you know, you need to be in a position where there is definitely an opportunity for these guys to step forward. And we're seeing that because we're seeing some of the, you know, because of those sponsors that have come in. But what about the rest? You know, we need to keep this thing surviving. We need to make it as, you know, as cheap as possible. You know, remember when we, the years we were rolling in Adelaide, we used to have pre-qualifying at Malalart just to get, you know, cars in the show because there was too many of them. Mm. Um, you know, now we're down to 25 cars or whatever it is in the main game. Um, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got back to, you know, 36 cars, you know, with pre-qualifying? I mean, that would just be fantastic. Mm. Have that many cars out there running around, you know, the stories that we developed and, you know, the opportunity for, you know, sponsors to come in because all of a sudden, it, you know, goes from $7 million a year to run a car to, you know, $2 million a year. Um, you know, big difference. You know, and we wasted so much time at park going to manufacturers that it's just ridiculous. You know, and we've, we've made no gain. Mm. We, you know, Let's have the manufacturers come in, spend half a million from a marketing standpoint, have use of their IP in regards to silhouettes of the cars and, you know, be out there running around as, as a Nissan or Holden or a Ford or even a Volvo for that matter. Um, and and being able to say, okay, well, here's, you know, put this in your marketing standpoint. Okay, bring your, bring your customers to the track. No one cares whether the cars are two seconds slower or two seconds faster. No one gives an absolute crap about that stuff. All they care about is seeing some great racing and be able to you know, cheer on who they want to cheer on. Mm. Now, John, you're probably about, uh, what, 15 years, 20 years maybe, away from having a, a book about your life, 30 years in motorsport, 35 years in motorsport. Is that a fair estimate? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure uh, I'll, I'll ever get to, <laughs> to that Be point. careful what you say, John. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I, you never know uh, how, how long, um, you know. I guess uh, your, your time in, in the game is is, uh, is more my point. So, um, look, uh, you know, I think it's a great privilege to, to be part of, of the motorsport industry. It's a it's a it's a massive passion of, of mine, and um, you know, Crusher should be uh, congratulated uh, on the amount of uh, effort uh, that, that he's put and passion that he's put into the sport for 
for the years that he has and continues to do so. So um, that might uh, be an interesting segue to, to mention uh, your, your book, mate. Yeah, we mentioned it at the Top Crush, and uh, I think we should have a, have a chat about it because I know that uh, over the Bathurst weekend you were really stressing, and one of, one of the chapters that you were labouring on was the guys, that your friends that you've lost over the years in motorsport. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the chapters. I think there's 27 chapters or something in the book, or 26 chapters or something. And, you know, most of them uh, are really just a, a fun piss-take at, you know, some of the funny stuff that's happened over the years and, and um, you know, involves some, you know, some names and, and uh, tells some funny stories. But there's, there's a few serious uh, chapters. One, you know, uh, was about the A1GP on the Gold Coast and what we did to, you know, make sure that sort of survived and, bit about Speed Cafe and business and, and, and some of those things and the development of that and what it's taken to get it where it needs to be. And, and another one is, um, as you mentioned, is, you know, some of the, the people we've lost over the years and, um, you know, the what it takes at that point in time and, and the emotion that's attached and the people that it's involved and, you know, some of the stories that go with that, whether that was Denny Holm in, in one of my cars, um, the Frank Gardner team at Bathurst in 92 was really my first exposure to all that as a young bike and, and then uh, moving forward from there with, you know, Greg Hansford and, and Greg Moore and and, um, and Dan Weldon and a few of the others over time um, and obviously, you know, Brock and, and everything that went with Brock and then the exposure to Senna and, and how that affected us as, as a whole, as a sport and how those things um, play into the, the daily, um, you know, much and grind of the of the sport and the, and the industry we're in. So, yeah, it's uh you know it's probably one of the more ordinary uh, chapters to have to write. And um, but you know, reflecting on it, it's probably not a bad thing either. And, and the things you learn from those instances and how we can do things better. And you know, there's a chapter in there about you know the Mark Porter incident and you know how we were sort of attached to that in different ways through um, the other car involved and you know some of the people that work for me and how, you know, they grew as people and just the experiences and what you do, you know, to sort of put your arms around them and, and help them grow as professionals and, and uh, you know, to be able to, you know, sort of guide them through that stuff. Um, cause certainly there wasn't sort of someone around that day in 92 when Denny went, although sort of different circumstances with Denny, you know, having, you know, a heart attack and, and pulling the thing over to the side rather than a traumatic incident where he, he lost his life as, a, as part of an accident, if you like. So, um, you know, I think all those things sort of uh, part-time historian is probably something to learn out of it, I'd hope. Anything you left out of the book that you just couldn't publish yet? Oh, yeah, there's lots of stuff, actually. There's, there's so many stories and someone says, oh, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about that or I can't wait to read about this or, you know, oh, shit, hang on a minute. <laughs> well, go and buy the book and get your cash, but that's actually not in it. That'll have to be in the next one. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've already started making, you know, um, some notes on, you know, just getting the stories down. The whole idea of this was really just to get the stories in one place, I guess, before, you know, they went down in a plane crash somewhere. So that's all done now. So I guess we've we've got that box ticked. And and, uh, and whether you're a motorsport fan or just like a laugh or, or know me personally from somewhere else or, you know, just, you know, I've had a few people read it from, you know, do a bit of a... A summary of it and give me some feedback on it and they all seem pretty you know pretty entertained by it so i guess at the end of the day that's what we're trying to do is entertain a few people tell a few stories um, they'll relate to people but there is some you know there's some some bloody funny stuff in there and and as um the title of the book actually came from a, a, a mate of mine's wife where i told a story and um she said uh she asked me if i wrote it wrote the um the script to The Hangover, and I said I didn't. And she'd asked me if I'd ever woken up with a tiger in my room in Vegas, and I said no, but I'd woken up with five dwarfs, three painted smurfs, and a fifteen-foot python. <laughs> and she said, "You just can't, you just can't make that shit up." So that's, that was the title of the book. That's how we got it. And, and uh, yeah, so December fifteen, we'll roll it out. I think we're going to do some pre-sales over the next few weeks, and make sure that uh, we get it done, and uh, and it's in everybody's uh, mailbox before Christmas. Mm. Well, Crush, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, look forward to catching up with you again in Newcastle. Look forward to it, mate. Thanks for having me on. John, always a pleasure to catch up with you. And, of course, VADX magazine is on sale right now. You don't have to wait till uh, December 
fifteen for that one. Absolutely, Craig. Uh, feel free to go along to your local news agent and pick up a copy. And uh, thanks for having me on the program. And uh, good to have a bit of uh, banter with yourself and Crusher. Mm. Well, it's a final thought up next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Scott Pye and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And Craig, my final thoughts for this week on Inside Supercars is about New Zealand and it's about, for the first time ever, three New Zealand drivers are in the frame to win the Supercars Championship. One, of course, is already a, a winner, that's Shane Van Gisbergen, but the other two are first up winners if, if they succeed in taking the title. And Auckland and New Zealand, I believe, are thoroughly excited. And I remember vividly being here in 1996 when 12 cars, as they were pre-V8 Supercars name and title, before they, uh, when they came over here, and the crowd at Auckland on the Sunday night just didn't want to go home. They thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm sure the same will happen this weekend. Indeed. Great, your final? It should be an interesting weekend indeed. My final thought is, look, the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance this year um, has had an interesting foray across the motorsport sphere. Now, earlier this year at the Australian Grand Prix, um, they were, it was brought to their attention that there was people working as volunteers at the Melbourne Grand Prix that uh, perhaps should have been paid. They took that to the Fair Work Ombudsman and, in fact, the Fair Work Ombudsman agreed with their position and has subsequently about 20 people have been paid wages um, because they were working for a company called ADECO, who is a, a global labour hire company, and uh, evidently the story goes that they sent out SMS messages to the people on their book saying uh, volunteer opportunity and it involved some pre-training and then three full days of work, working for them in a customer service role. The reason why I'm telling you this long story is that now the uh, Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance have, at the beginning of August, referred supercars to the Fairburk Ombudsman and... Uh, for what they are worried could be a similar type of uh, situation with volunteers working long hours who should be really in paid positions. Now, I spoke to uh, the union today and uh, just wanted to clarify because that could have huge repercussions if we were talking about officials, flag marshals and, uh, you know, um, grid marshals, stewards of all shapes and sizes and officials of all shapes and sizes particularly when we think about how, uh, how many officials you need to run an event and also uh, when we go to club, state and uh, things like the Shannon's Rounds, which aren't professional-run series that are deriving a, a profit per se for a uh, private company. And um, at this stage, no, they, those type of officials who will help run the meeting aren't the officials that the Arts and Media Alliance are uh, looking at, or the Arts and Entertainment and Media Alliance are looking at, but uh, it is the people who are serving, who are working at ticket counters, who might be serving you a beer or might be serving you in some sort of hospitality, they're the ones that, uh, that are being referred here. So this is a very, very interesting one. Um, I must admit, to me, I would have thought these people were getting paid because you know, for the most part, they're involving a transaction where there's money coming to whoever they're working for is. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, this isn't supercars doing that necessarily. It is uh, It's potentially some of their service providers. However, there is a possibility that uh, there are supercar volunteers that might be entitled to pay. So we're going to watch with that one with interest. Uh, the Fair Work Ombudsman hasn't uh, made any statements since this referral, so uh, we'll just have to wait and see how that all pans out. And we will indeed. And meanwhile, we'll be watching and seeing 
what pans out this weekend and seeing if the four or five drivers who are in line for a possibility of the championship will remain that way after this weekend. The penultimate round of supercars this year with 300 points up for grab over two races and then finally to the brand new track, Newcastle, which is 300 points. It should be a wonderful weekend. I And it's good night for me. Enjoy the show. And it's good night from him. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Thank you.